Welcome to the RBL podcast aimed to encourage and uplift women of all ages through real stories, testimonies, and experiences in Christ. We'll dive into a variety of different topics pertaining to women, and trust me, no topic is off limits. I'm your host, Mercedes, and if you're ready to be inspired and encouraged, this podcast is for you. Hey, RBL community. Now, in our last episode, I had the opportunity of speaking with a missionary on her journey and experience being out on the field. Now, of course, the story couldn't just end there. So today we'll be hearing from yet another perspective. And this time it's the children of the same missionary. So, of course, sometimes it's very easy to have certain views of people, especially when they've grown up in the church for so long. We're going to dive in into what the experience is being a child on the mission field as your parents are the missionaries. So in today's discussion, joining me will be Christina and Larissa. So welcome, ladies. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. We're honored to be here today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's start off with, of course, a fun fact. Tell us something interesting about you both. Well, I'm the middle child from the family of Yusinovs. I am a registered vet tech right now. I just graduated in April, so I've been, yeah, learning my way around work. I'm enjoying it, though. I get to spend every day with cats and dogs, so yeah, (laughs) a lot of fun. Um, and I am Christina. I'm the eldest. That's not really a fun fact. It's kind of boring, actually. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm the eldest. I'm a nurse since we're doing that. Um, fun fact I don't eat chocolate bars. Oh. Just, yeah. Wow. It's a, I don't know, maybe previous trauma. I'm not sure. But <laughs> <laughs> like always? Yeah, or? just chocolate bars. But I can eat chocolate ice cream, hot chocolate. But chocolate bars, I just can't. That's so interesting. Yeah. What if it's like broken up in pieces? I'm sorry, like, I'm really curious. Like that, like, like if it's melted in cookies something. or something. Yeah. yeah, I can do that. Okay. If it's hard and they're like really big chunks, I might pick them out. Really? Yeah. That's really imagine. interesting. Or like chocolate dipped ice cream. Sometimes I'll pick off like the outer shell of the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Okay, so before we dive right in, what's been both of your favorite places to, to live? live? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say for me, Croatia. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it where we live. It was very diverse. Like we had the mountains on one side and then the ocean on the mm-hmm. other. So every day you just wake up. It's just beautiful. Um, I got to be involved in church, obviously, from moving there. Um, but yeah, the, the people were very nice there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I think anywhere you go, there's always something that stands out to you. There's mm-hmm. something, for me at least, everywhere we've been, there's mm-hmm. always been that special thing that's like, wow, this place means a lot to me because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I had to choose a place that just stands out a lot, it would be Nepal. I think primarily just because at the time I was a teenager, like, you know, kind of coming of age period, and it was just so different to everything we had experienced before just Mm -hmm. the people the culture it was extremely third world nation so all of these things just kind of worked together and then the experiences we had there like got to volunteer at an orphanage like tutoring english and stuff so like the experiences and everything combined i think was just very memorable and it's definitely something i think back to even even now Mm -hmm. yeah where were each of you born 
I was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. um, which is in Canada. Which is in Canada, <laughs> in yes. Case, in case, case nobody knew. Know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was born in Russia, so Vologda, mm. Russia, a little north of Moscow, yeah. Nice, nice. All right, so, of course, the big time question. Now, of course, you guys both grew up, you know, with parents who, of course, had given their lives to Christ, were missionaries, yeah. grew up, you know, in church scene. But when do you think you made a decision to come to Christ for yourself? Um, I can start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, um, obviously, you heard my mom's testimony. She got saved really young age. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't quite beat her record. I was eight years old <laughs> when I got saved. Um, it was at a concert scene at our church in the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. um, I remember putting my hand up and answering the altar call and asking Jesus to come into my heart. But it was always something that was, you know, on my mind anyways, because our parents were very cognizant of the fact that just being in church wasn't good enough, right? It mm. was on their hearts that we would know that salvation was our decision, that at the end of the day, we'd stand before God alone without them. So they mm. always made it extremely clear. And I actually just shared with someone the other day, <clears throat> my mom boiled it down, like extremely, extremely easy for a child to understand. And she basically said, going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Mm -hmm. I think about it a lot. You know, going to church doesn't make you Christian. Having right. pastors at, or pastor as your parent, um, being a missionary kid, that doesn't make you a Christian. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make you a follower of Christ at all. So I got saved at eight years old. That was the first time I specifically bowed my knee to ask Jesus into my heart. I got baptized two years later um, at 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, the first steps. Obviously, it's a journey and right. moving out mm -hmm. later on, you come across different challenges and your faith is really tested. But those are my first, you know, mm -hmm. decisions. Yeah, for me as well, I would say I did pray when I was younger in the Czech, probably around seven, eight. Um, but then I wouldn't say I really developed a relationship with God until probably 15. Mm -hmm. um, so the reasoning was during that time, actually, Christina was heading to Canada to study. Um, so at that point, I'm like, okay, so now my, for the, yeah, the previous years, our family had always traveled together. It was just like constant in my life was family. And now Christine was leaving. So I'm like, okay, now our family's separating. Mm -hmm. And so then that got me realizing that um, the one thing that will continue to be constant in my life is God. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started to develop my relationship with him. And yeah, she got baptized 10. I got baptized 15 mm -hmm. just because of our differences. I don't know, just how we realized, yeah, that we need if God. Ask, yeah. yeah. If you ask my mom, she'll say she was concerned because Larissa was adamant she wasn't getting baptized up until that <laughs> Not point. Not ready yet. But she was like, you know, it's a testimony. Everyone yeah. has their own journey. It's true. It's like, yeah. Huh. So it wasn't until that point I really developed my relationship with yeah. him. Yeah. I love that though because mm -hmm. it's it's genuine, right? It's like you both came to that place where it's like, no, I'm doing this because mm -hmm. I understand like what I'm doing and why I need to do this versus, okay, I'm just going to do it because it's... It's what I see being done like over and over again. What would you say has been one of the most exciting things about just being kids of missionaries? Um, just the constant adventure. Yeah. Never knowing what's going to happen next. Um, one day we're in Nepal, next we're somewhere else, you know. It's mm -hmm. just a great adventure just being with family just really building those like the family bonds we just got to be really tight because now often families are broken like you're not you don't have a relationship with your mom or your dad and mm. so just building that with each other is really great and i enjoyed every moment of it mm. yeah 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 and i think too having perspective so even at a young age you're seeing all of these things happen you're seeing god 
miraculously transform lives and that's just at the center of your existence really that's all that we that's that that's what we live that's what we breathe so just having that perspective um even as a child it just you looked at the world differently like mm-hmm. even coming back to canada to visit mm-hmm. relatives or moving back coming into the school system it's just you have a different approach to life mm-hmm. um and like she said, the adventures, just being able to live in different countries, you got to travel to other countries too. Mm-hmm. While you're there, you got to travel and do crazy things that most people wait until they're retired to do. Yeah. Right, or they wait until right. they're like, you know, well off or whatever. But honestly, under, before we got to the age of 20, we'd probably traveled more than most people yeah. I know. So right, yeah. like, Some people haven't even moved houses. Yeah. <laughs> right. still on the same yeah. block, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. That's exciting, though. Mm. But would you say that, like, the change was at, like, at any point? Do you think, like, the change was a little bit, I don't know, like, was it much at any mm-hmm. point in time? Because it's, like, maybe you're spending a short period of time in one place and then an, a short period mm-hmm. of time in another. Like, how was that yeah. for you? Um, well, for me, the first time we moved to the Czech, I was three. Um, so I think because of that, that's how I grew up. It wasn't like I was 16. I was established in a school. I had my right. friends, had a group. I was part of, like, the church there, the community. No, I was just traveling since I was little. So that's yeah. all I knew, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I didn't know anything different. So I loved every moment. Yeah, yeah. I think the same for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that's all we knew. So the traveling part wasn't really a problem. Obviously, there are other challenges that arise. But the traveling was, like, bring it on. Like, we're ready <laughs> yeah. whenever you want to go to the next country. Yeah. And I think a large part of that was our family was our biggest um, support. Mm-hmm. Like, our family we were each other's best friends, which is really weird yeah. to say, but mm-hmm. like like thinking back, like you would move to a new country and obviously at the beginning you don't have friends. You don't have, you don't, sometimes you don't speak the same language. You can't even read the writing, like, you know, right. like crazy stuff. And by force of nature, you're kind of isolated. But because we were with each other, we just, you know, we developed crazy ways of entertaining ourselves. We would constantly <laughs> be going um, and doing things together just as a family unit. And we just got to learn so much about each other and really appreciate each of our family members mm. in a family unit but also as individual relationships too mm. yeah that's really good and I think you need mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. especially again like if you're in a new environment right mm-hmm. like what would you say is one of your favorite family memories oh boy oh gosh. <laughs> um there's so many to be honest um I'm trying to think I guess Nepal at one time we went on that trip we were shoved all in the oh. car and we were driving <laughs> yeah, around like cliffs. We could have died multiple times. Yeah. And then when we reached there, our like sheets were on the lawn drying apparently. And yeah, and I remember um, if you actually Google yeah. it, the, the the roads we took. So basically, ourselves and another pastor and his wife mm-hmm. in Nepal decided that for some rest and relaxation, yes. we were gonna go away this for resort. like to this resort or whatever. Um, the roads that we took, if you Google mm-hmm. them, they're known as the world's most dangerous roads. Like, people oh. die. So that's what we were traveling. Yeah. Like, crammed into this van. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's no AC, nothing. We're all, like, wow. I was in the... I'm always in the back. Any vehicle we're in, I'm always, like, shoved with the suitcases because I'm the oldest, obviously. So <laughs> I was just nauseous, like, thinking oh, we're going to die. You see people driving past, sitting, like, 20 people on top of, like, a already crowded, like, bus or van. And you're like, wow, we're all going to die. This is great. Like, you know, <laughs> on the side of a cliff, just staring down. Yeah. You're like, okay. And then, like she said, you get there and everything is definitely not how you were told like, so you, be. yeah definitely not <laughs> yeah. what you expected it um but yeah even there like you got to like, I remember we got there and we're like well this is nice you know what like we're always like we always tried to be positive like obviously 
support our parents and everything <laughs> and we we're like this is nice we we're standing looking at this river it was like a bit brown but we're like you know it's a nice river like it's right next to it and so we yeah. sat on the edge and we we're looking over and this tour guide comes up behind us he's like no 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 come back come back and we're like what he's like no 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 the alligators the alligators and we're like oh okay we like ran back we're like yeah we don't need our legs chomped off like, <laughs> um but while we were there we got to go on like an elephant ride which was really three cool. hours long wow. in a little long, yeah. wooden crate on the top of an elephant but anyways i digress mm-hmm. um but you got to like you know do so many different things and we went yeah. to some of their cultural things and um that was you know that was we flew out early mm-hmm. um basically the other pastor decided to splurge on airplane tickets to get us out and um (laughs) even the airplane ride back was not even an airport it wasn't really an airplane i don't think my airplane seat was bolted to the airplane because it was like coming up as we were like leaving um wait but they gave us candy so (laughs) it worked out yeah it was was very much an adventure yeah (laughs) definitely refreshing yes rest and relaxation we went back home very excited yeah (laughs) to be home to be alive (laughs) that is exciting wow i mean Mm. you have stories for days yeah that's one one of many really yeah wow Mm -hmm. okay so would you say that just watching like your parents be out in the field has that ever like inspired you as well like even now in your Mm day-to-day lives Yeah, definitely for sure that they inspire me just because we got to see a lot of what they sacrificed. Mm. So just even housing, schooling, they had to sacrifice my my mom's family, right? She had to leave them and obviously that's always hard. Um, But what they put on the line just to to show like their goal is just to be in God's will, to do Mm. what he's wanted them to do um, by traveling and spreading the gospel. Um, So that definitely inspires me, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It was always inspiring definitely for your own personal walk with God your personal um spirituality your interest in the supernatural that was always predominant that was always front field that was our focus I think for like inspiring us to be like missionaries or even to be like a pastor's wife one day Mm -hmm. as a kid definitely you're like oh this is just you know what what's done I think as I got older and you start to become more aware of like the social stuff that happens you can start mm-hmm. to see because obviously people aren't perfect like my parents aren't perfect but people in churches aren't perfect like no one's perfect mm-hmm. so people get hurt and watching my parents be hurt at times and sometimes them not awareing of how much we realized mm-hmm. that definitely took a like took some time dealing with just personally as an old like becoming an adult going mm-hmm. through adolescence dealing with my own things I was going through but also watching my parents and being like why would you keep doing the same thing over and over again why would you start another church when you know people are going to just do the same thing or why would you do this why would you do that why would you keep reaching out to people if you know that at the end of the day like they could hurt you like you're constantly opening up your heart fully knowing that someone could just stab you in the heart too and I don't mean to sound cynical or bitter (laughs) but it was just a reality and there came a point in time where I became very disenchanted with the whole idea of being Mm a pastor's wife a missionary honestly even just being in ministry I was like no you know what maybe it's not for me maybe this isn't something I want to do personally like good for people who want to but Mm -hmm. it hurts like I don't want to like if I have kids I don't want to hurt my kids I don't want to hurt my husband I don't want to hurt anyone really I don't want to feel that way 
but that's something that obviously God had to deal with. It wasn't right. something that I could fix or my parents could fix. And they never once, they never once no. complained. They never once, they always, if they did talk about stuff, they always did so assuming we were asleep. But I was a very <laughs> light sleeper. So, you know, you hear things. You're like, oh, shoot. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. But um, definitely God dealt with that. Very sharply, I might add. Um, I, yeah, right now, currently, as we speak, I would definitely... 100% if my husband was called, which I believe he is, like to be a pastor's wife or for me to be a missionary one day, 100% mm. would, yeah. And the nice thing is like, so also my grandparents were missionaries too, mm. and never once have they become bitter or cynical no. or anything, um, and stuff happens, but they've always encouraged us and said, you know what, like, you're always better off in the will of God even if it's uncomfortable at times, then you are in your own human will. So mm. I love that. And that's yeah. real. So let's just touch a little bit more on that. So how do you think God really, I guess, dealt with your heart during that time? And even like seeing like your parents hurt in certain seasons and even how you dealt with your own hurts and disappointments. Mm-hmm. How do you think God intervened in those areas? Um, I feel like since I was younger, I may have been not naive, but just not aware as much as like Christina was. Yeah. Um, but you could definitely tell when things were more tense or like they were going through something. But I think it's more so just like being an encouragement still, just praying for them mm-hmm. um, throughout it all. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I ever went mm-hmm. through anything as tra- not traumatic, but like <laughs> anything like that before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just being support for them, honestly, mm-hmm. I'd say that's a big thing. Um, I think for me, like she said, being mm -hmm. the oldest, at times it did feel like I had to bear more than a child or a teenager would have to. Like, you move to a new country and you don't have, like, your friends anymore, this or that, and then you notice your parents are struggling or uh, maybe dealing with difficult situations. You're like, I can't go to them with my problems. Like, I don't want to burden them. So I started to internalize a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of the ways God... Um, helped me see that that was one of my root issues was by um, helping me understand that it's okay to let it out. It's okay to talk to, it's okay to find a person who you trust, who you can open up to, or if you don't have someone, it's okay. You can open up to God. I started writing up like a prayer journal where I would just write mm. my thoughts on maybe the stuff I wasn't comfortable sharing with people, maybe because it was a little too angry or a little <laughs> yeah. too emotional. I would just write it out, rip it out, burn it, you know, whatever you have to do just to get it out and say, you know what, I give it over to you, God. Mm-hmm. And one of the things my mom has always said, um, I, as far as I can remember, is have tough skin and a soft heart. Mm-hmm. So don't let, and her and my grandma, they're very good mm-hmm. examples of that. If I can, yeah, out of everyone, all the women I've ever met, my grandma and my mom are examples of like grace and humility. Um, so having those people to access and to be able to talk to is also a huge support, knowing that they're constantly praying, constantly interceding for me and my siblings. Right. That is a huge help as well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Is there any, and I asked your mom this as well, <laughs> so I'm going to ask this question to both of you. Um, just over time, of course, you both are still young, but hey, prayer is prayer. Is there a specific prayer that each of you have prayed over time that's been consistent? I guess one prayer that's always been consistent is mm-hmm. I've always had this being someone who is... Um, I can be very much so anxious about things, especially what I can't control and being missionaries, you know, that's like the perfect 
combination. Yeah. Um, so I've always been fearful for my family being provided for. Even mm. at a young age, I was always like super concerned about like, are we, well, to be honest, my parents never would let us see anything like if like financially we were struggling or anything they would always like you know cover they would cover everything so we didn't have to worry but just right. personally not even knowing stuff that was going on I was always concerned for my siblings concerned making sure everyone's okay so one of my prayers throughout the years has always been God make sure they're provided for like they've given up everything to serve you mm-hmm. like you have to have their back like you have to be able to provide for them and God has always provided abundantly more not even just in regards to living and having what you need to survive but beyond that even being able to just enjoy life to go on trips like people have funded trips for my parents to go you know different places mm-hmm. being able even within the ministry and without to be able to just go travel and do things and be able to just be blessed by others they've always been abundantly provided for yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um i would say one prayer it's more so like, I guess, not recent, but more recent, um, is just a to really find out what God's will was for my life now. Because I've been with my family, I've traveled. That was their vision there, what God had given them to do. Right. So now it's more so what's my vision for my life? Like what's mm. my legacy now to carry on mm. what they've started? Mm. Um, so just I don't have answers yet. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, just continuing that and searching like, hey, God, now it's like I'm getting older now what's your plan for my life? So just seeking that um, to see what the next steps are really. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's a g- good place to start mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah. And just obviously like having like an open heart yeah. to like whatever it is that mm-hmm. God has for any one of us, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. it's really good. So now, of course, I want to ask you both, what do you think are some of the misconceptions about like the child who grows up in church? You know, in case, in your case, of course, like children of missionaries, because sometimes, you know, you can assume that a person and you guys kind of touched on this when you were talking about your testimonies. But sometimes, you know, from a person who is on the outside looking in, it could be like, oh, you know, they're they're church kids. You know what I mean? So they got it all together. You know, um, they know the word. They know how to pray. They just know what to do all the time right so what do you think are some of those misconceptions yeah it's exactly like you said like they know everything um like they're fine spiritually they don't need help they don't need any like discipleship follow-up but those are key right when you have a new convert come in that's the first thing is you want to follow up like how are you doing like you most people like like every day texting them like hey how are you doing sending them verses but as a church kid they grew up in that so you it's not the same right they're Mm. just attending church you see them oh they're doing good they're church kid right so yeah it's they lack that yeah i definitely agree Mm -hmm. um just the assumption that first of all they know everything Mm -hmm. um i know for myself like even as a child for example i didn't know what tithing was i thought i knew what it was everyone just thought i knew what it was but i came to my mom one day probably like seven years old maybe eight um, with tears in my eyes and she was like what's wrong and I was like how am I supposed to save money and she was like what do you mean I was like I keep getting birthday money and Christmas money but like I keep tithing and I don't have any left and she's like what are you doing and I was like well don't I- I'm supposed to keep putting money in the offering every week right and she was like no like tithe is like and she explained it to me but like Aww. as a child everyone had just assumed because you're you're sitting in service listening yeah. to people talk about offerings and tithes so you just assume that it's something that's understood Whereas I was going through, like, 
personal emotional turmoil because <laughs> I was like, I don't understand how this works. Like you can have it, God, yeah. but I don't understand how right. I'm supposed to get anywhere with this. <laughs> yeah. So just like the even just the mm-hmm. knowledge piece, just understanding how it applies. Like she said, church kids need as much mm-hmm. discipleship and follow up as a new convert would. Mm-hmm. And then as she also mentioned, your spiritual I guess you could say spiritual temperature, how you're doing, um, thinking back, especially in my like adolescent um, young adult years, I can think of very of just a few times when someone actually sat me down and said, "How are you doing spiritually?" Mm-hmm. Uh, that was never a priority in conversations. Um, obviously, there are great people who looked out for me mm-hmm. and whatever. And if I w- would reach out, then yeah. But sometimes, you know, it's difficult to reach out. So having that, I think having someone being able to reach out and say, "Listen, you know, I've noticed maybe you seem to be struggling with this," or like, "Just how are you doing in general?" Um, actually, when I went to Australia, <laughs> I uh, I was not in a good place, let's just say, if yeah. I'm going to be bluntly honest. And I walked into a fellowship church there. My mom had been bugging me. I was like, you need to go to church, you need to go to church, you need to go to church. I was like, fine. So I found a fellowship church. Um, I think someone from the UK fellowship had recommended. And I walked in. I was like, you know, a little bit late just because I was like, I really don't feel like talking to people. Like, I know what this is, you know. Mm-hmm. Church is church. I'd been to so many churches across the world. Like, it's all the same, really, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. The same vision, the same faith, the same, um, f- like, fundamentals of the faith. Right. But I was like, ah, you know what? Like, whatever. Yeah. So I went there. And the first thing was people come up to me and start trying to follow up and I'm like I know exactly what you're doing like I didn't say that but I was like I know like I follow up the drill you know I know how that works (laughs) right right um but it was weird it was really weird to have someone come up and like start asking about my spiritual life and like how I'm doing and this Mm. and that and I was a bit okay I was wasn't dishonest but let's just say I withheld the fact that I was a pastor's kid and I was from (laughs) a fellowship church in Canada I was just like you know what let's just you know let's just let's just do this naturally. Let's just see what this is like. And I wasn't trying to get anything from them, but it was really actually a good opportunity where God kind of like was able to speak to me in a different way and just kind of give me another, like a different level of perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And having um, this one lovely lady, she would follow up on me. She'd drive me to church. And this one time she texted me and she was like, I'm praying for you. And God gave me this thing to tell you. And it was like exactly what I was dealing with. And I was like, wow, this is why it's important. This is why mm-hmm. follow-up is important. So personally mm-hmm. for me, it gave me a whole different insight into why it's important to follow up on new converts. Like just the actual intensity, just how important it can be to that person. Even if they kind of brush you off at the beginning, like for me, it meant a lot, even though I was like, okay guys, like, you know, I, I see through your charades, you know, (laughs) it wasn't charades. It was actual authentic love. And I think sometimes for the church kid, I don't think people intentionally overlook them, Mm -hmm. but, but I think sometimes, um, they can just kind of fade into the background a bit because they're doing so much. They're, mm-hmm. They know what to say. They know what to think. Sometimes they don't um, feel comfortable enough maybe to voice questions mm-hmm. that they might have inside that or concerns that they might have. Because as a church kid, the last thing you'd want to do is say, like, hey, I'm having thoughts about, like, is God real? Like, no, like, you're never going to, you know, voice that to your pastor, or your parents, because, you know that would cause them so much heartache just be like, oh my gosh, my kid's questioning the faith. Like, yeah. But having um, someone to be able to speak with openly mm-hmm. about it and having that sort of ability and having people look out for you, that's a big thing, yeah. Hmm. Do you think that has to do with just expectations as well that mm-hmm. you think that maybe people have about you? Again, just going back to the whole misconception mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I remember um, at a younger age, I went to my Sunday school 
teacher with a question. Um, mm-hmm. We were in a more established church at the time, I think. And I just had a question and um, they kind of looked at me and they're like, you should know. Don't you know the Bible like inside and out or something? You know, it's like, I was offended. I was like, I went to my mom and like tears in my eyes. I was a, I was a more sensitive child than Larissa, let's just say. But <laughs> I was like, that's what they said to me. She was like, obviously she was like, no, she was like he was joking, like calm down, it's fine. But I was like, but like, what if I was gonna go to hell and they just said that to me and da, da, da. like you know, I was like, I was so conflicted and concerned about it. Yeah. But I mean, people don't do things like that intentionally. Course, like I don't think people. So I think it's nice to be able to talk to a church kid and just say, hey, how do you feel about this? Like, what do you think we could do to reach church kids? Hey, RBL community, please remember to follow this podcast and follow us on Instagram to never miss out on any updates. And now back to the episode. Because sadly enough, a lot of my friends that I grew up with in church, like, I'd say the majority backslid. Wow. Um, And it's not a pleasant thought. And sometimes I, you know, it can be overlooked too, especially when you have a flow of people coming in, getting saved. Like yeah. that's the priority, right? You can't stop and look back for too long. You have to keep going. Right. right. But at the end of the day, with so many people backsliding, um, falling away, and obviously a lot of them come back. So that's like, you know, praise God for that. But looking at it and saying, you know, what, what could I do mm. now that I'm in a church where we have younger people who are church kids, mm. having that uh, mm-hmm. experience and knowing what it's like. So... Mm-hmm. And I think what when you're saying about the expectations, so having that expectation like your church kid, you put pressure on that mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. So pressure that their church kid, they need to be a good kid. So when say they do mess up, they feel mm-hmm. much more like much worse much about worse. it. <laughs> much worse about it. They have guilt like mm-hmm. I'm a church kid, so now it just feels worse when they like not expose it, but tell somebody they just feel yeah. um, they put pressure on them so yeah it's wow yeah. do you guys think you ever face like condemnation just because of like expectations at any point in time i well i can't speak I for larissa so. i yes i have felt condemnation um in regards to different things obviously mm. it's not always the same thing but i'm much more an emotional person than larissa i I can be in my thoughts like like I said mm-hmm. earlier I internalize a lot yeah and so not feeling good enough feeling like a hypocrite mm-hmm. feeling like this feeling like that those can be like the devil knows how to assault you right oh, yes. he doesn't have to use the same thing on everybody for me it can be thoughts it can be all of those things so like dealing with condemnation um just regarding being good enough Christian being good mm-hmm. enough example being a good right. enough daughter being all the things that like I feel like I should be um Whereas God looks at you and says, no, I've called you to be my daughter. That's literally first and foremost mm-hmm, what yeah. you are. That's your identity. And then you start creating identity in other things, and that's a problem. You start right. creating identity being, oh, I'm the pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm the missionary kid. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm the Christian kid or whatever. But yeah. that's not really your identity. Your identity is daughter mm-hmm. of the king, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So what do you think then causes like some kids like who grow up in church to fall away? Like, again, I guess it could tie in with the expectations. But mm-hmm. what do you what do you really think it is? Um, It can be different things. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, this is something that we've spoken about in our family, just watching other families go through certain heartbreaks yeah. related to the salvation of their children and stuff like that. And it's obviously never been like without like it's 
it's always caused us pain as well, especially watching your friends or um, even family members fall away, right? Right. Um, one of the big things I could see being a reason is being a church kid if you've never personally witnessed the transformation that Jesus does in mm-hmm. a life. If you've grown up in church your whole life, you can kind of, it can become a little blase. You see miracles, you see this, you see that. Um, you see people come in and get transformed. You start to gloss over a bit. You're mm-hmm. like, same old, same old. Like a routine. But you've never actually experienced mm-hmm. it yourself. Right. You, you can easily love God and want to serve him, but you've never had that experience. So when another experience comes along, you, you don't know what that transformation power of Jesus is. And in comparison to that, the experiences that you've had, they kind of pale in comparison to what you think you could be getting mm-hmm. in the world. Um, other things like I know definitely having a father who's present obviously fatherlessness is a huge problem in this generation but i don't even mean just having a physical father having someone who's present in your life we were so blessed to have a dad who he would take time out of his schedule to take us on personal dates all three of us on our own just to take us out for breakfast and just talk to us honestly we were too little even at times to completely understand what we're going on we're like this is great free food like you know but (laughs) but he would always intentionally take time to understand who we are what we're going through and obviously coming from communist society he was never the greatest with like verbal or physical affection but he always showed in his ability to give us his time Mm -hmm. his money his effort um and just in his like generosity he always showed us how much he loved us and I know personally just I've had friends before where their their father's a great pastor they're part of a great ministry like thriving this and that but you start to notice they start moving away from their family not for any bad reason they're Mm -hmm. being involved in other churches and other speaking engagements they're traveling across the world to spread the gospel and it's awesome but then you start to look back and you see their kids at home being like I don't have a dad Mm -hmm. and my parents have always made it clear like we are one of their priorities too the church Mm -hmm. the family like it's one in the same right right and we've never felt neglected at the cost of like the church Mm. we've honestly always just been at church but i mean that's (laughs) a different story (laughs) okay so what do you think then has kept you both over the years so the funny thing is about this, because I saw the questions you're giving me, um, and my mom, so she said that Victoria, a while back, yeah. actually asked my mom that question. She's like, so for the kids, what has kept them? So she mm-hmm. asked that question to us. Um, so I actually wrote down just a couple things that we mentioned. So we said just um, a love for God, his word and prayer, just staying involved in church, mm-hmm. um, having those relationships with people in church. Um, and just knowing Jesus is coming back. So just mm. those were a few things that I'm not sure what age we were mm. at, but we were like, that's what kept us, you know, mm-hmm. to keep going. And um, yeah, that was at least quite a, like a few yeah. years back. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny. Totally forgot about that. I think um, mm-hmm. for me, I'd say kind of going back to having those older people in church. It's good to have friends your age and everything, but having older people who actually show interest in you and are interested in your spiritual development, Mm -hmm. um, having people who can honestly rebuke you when you're doing craziness and having people who can sit down with you and be like, hey, what are you reading your Bible? Hey, what are you doing Mm -hmm. with this? What are you doing with that? And making sure you're actually getting it and you're doing okay. I think that was a big factor, especially at our younger ages. They were... Um, like for example when we're in the Czech there were some older brothers in the church like I was an insignificant little girl obviously like statistically speaking like 
one out of like our church was getting pretty big at the time like i'm just one of the kids right Mm -hmm. but they would take their time to like you know give me money for ice cream or like sit down with me and like talk about what i was reading or this or that and as a little girl that's like the biggest thing in the world to be seen um to be like known by someone and to have someone actually show a vested interest and not Mm -hmm. not a condescending way of being like oh yeah like you know whatever but an actual interest in you as a human Mm -hmm. that you actually have worth that what you think matters Mm -hmm. and that is like a big thing i would definitely say a huge huge thing Mm -hmm. i think also for us having people who are praying for Mm -hmm. us having people who um we're blessed to have parents and grandparents who are saved Saved, they're currently still Mm -hmm. saved you know they're currently their right minds mostly (laughs) no i'm kidding (laughs) but that are constantly praying and interceding and Mm -hmm. that i like i said already i feel like i'm repeating myself now but they're (laughs) but they're there for if we ever need anything or my grandpa will sometimes call me up just to chat and we'll just talk about like what i'm reading in the bible and you know what like a lot of people don't have that Mm -hmm. a lot of people do not have that at all do you think um, it was easy for you guys to build relationships? Again, like from going from like one country to another to mm-hmm. another. Well, I feel like at a young age, it was kind of different in church. You'd kind of be friends, whoever came mm-hmm. to church first. The convert would be older than me mm-hmm. um, and would just become friends, right? Or mm-hmm. um, I remember at one time there is these two Nigerian ladies um, and one of them used to always say OMG, like, oh my God. And I was only a young girl and I was like, you know, you can't say that, right? Like you're taking (laughs) God's name in vain and just like having that friendship. But yeah, it definitely helped us from moving to different countries, just learning to Mm. establish relationships, even if they're way younger than us or way older, just being able to, even as introverts, it made us Mm. go out of our comfort zone. Mm. Um, Like my mom, she doesn't have a problem with that, obviously. But (laughs) (laughs) for us, yeah, it just kind of pushed us out out of our bubble and to be involved in church with others, making those relationships, yeah. Yeah. And I think even the idea of like your personality or like being an introvert, that was never something that you even really thought about like obviously recently everyone's like oh what's your personality type what's this what's that (laughs) and it gives a lot of good information to be able to learn about yourself yeah but again like the way you grew up can dramatically change how your personality is um but as a as well I feel like I was a little more introverted when we were children you were a little little more crazy but (laughs) (laughs) but even as a young child like growing up with my family and they're constantly opening our doors of our house to new people like honestly just random people too like homeless people Mm -hmm. this like (laughs) we'd have um prostitutes come in that my mom had witnessed to recently or whatever you know you just have all these people come into church come into your home Mm -hmm. and you're constantly just meeting new people talking to new people so it became like it was a good training ground yeah especially as a naturally introverted person being able to move to a different school and be like okay well we're making friends like really mm-hmm. difficult but it's paid off like both of us have been able to go through higher education make those connections do those things um whereas our natural personalities would have probably really limited us if right. if we hadn't been able to like have those opportunities and um it also gave like i can definitely say from experience it gives you empathy mm. um being like moving to a different school, moving to a different community, maybe those people have already grown up together. They already know each other. You're the new person, you're the new kid, Mm -hmm. and you have to make those relationships. But it gives you an understanding of what it's like to feel isolated. So even in Mm -hmm. elementary school, when we came back to Canada, um, 
I knew what it like what it felt like to be the new kid so oftentimes when new kids would come out like they came after me I'd be like hey like what's up come sit with us like it's cool and that's in elementary school and I was a really shy kid Mm -hmm. but it just burdened me so much where I was like I'd go to them and after a while teachers would start coming to me and be like hey show the new kid around hey this person's being bullied want to have lunch with them in the in the library and stuff like that and at in elementary school we already Mm -hmm. had like a testimony of being people who could see isolation and loneliness and that was a huge platform for like talking to people about Jesus and as a shy kid like it's hard to come about opportunities Mm -hmm. where people want to listen to you you're like freaked out talking to people but (laughs) there we were like I had an opportunity to talk to people and be like hey like you know what I was in your shoes but you know what Jesus yeah and Mm -hmm. it's a good thing yeah Yeah. wow I love that and you know this is why I always say that like we're a child of God first before mm-hmm. our personality type. Yeah. Because I yeah. honestly feel like, yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's fun to know, yeah. I guess, but we can't use it as a hindrance, right? And yeah. it can become one, yeah. especially it's like, like I'm introverted mm-hmm. myself, so it's yeah. kind of like, you know, <laughs> very easy to start thinking like, oh, maybe I can't do this or I can't do that because, you know, yeah. you're Here we yes, are introverted. talking. Yeah. I know, right? We're all talking. <laughs> yeah. Introvert squad. Okay. <laughs> so... In that case, um, would you say, and I, to be honest, I think you've already pretty much answered this question, but in general, has being in one country to the next, to the next, shaped your view of God and people in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we traveled so much, we were very much um, aware of like different cultures and backgrounds mm-hmm. and we were exposed in a way to all of that and which is really good like not taking for granted certain things like everyone's different um but truly to know that each and every one of them had that one thing they were searching for that one thing which is god right they right. all had a sense of loss or like they don't have peace um and knowing that god will loves each and every one of them even for their differences depending on where they come from mm-hmm. um but yeah they're all the same they're all broken people and they need jesus yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly what she said it just gives you perspective about who god mm-hmm. is the power that he holds and going from country to country from like she said first world to third mm-hmm. world to this mm-hmm. to that you know you're in different places at the end of the day, you can have different physical struggles or mental struggles, but the center of it all is just a longing to be known and to be valued. And the only fulfillment for that is in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just created that way. It's mm-hmm. by no means anyone's fault. You just, that's the answer is having Jesus, having a relationship with the living creator. Yes. Um, and knowing that there are people out there who've never even heard the name of Jesus Christ spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that, I think having that perspective is a big deal. Um, And then on top of that, knowing that God can transform anyone. Mm -hmm. You can have anything. You can, like, watching the kinds of people that get saved, like, you can have drug addictions. You can have um, relationship addictions. You can have any sort of thing. You can come from any sort of cultural background where you think, you know what, God couldn't use me. Mm. Um, I'm going to just be relegated to doing this or that my entire life and God just you know takes you shapes you and sends you out and you're doing things that you never would have thought like an introvert hosting a podcast like you know (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the day God God does he does beyond what you could ever imagine yeah yeah I love that (laughs) so I want to ask just as one of my last few questions for you what 
do you think were some truths? And again, I think we've already even dived into this a bit, but specifically, what do you think were some truths that you held on to in order to just stay away from like pressures of society and like peer pressure? Because again, being young, as both of you are and like going from like different schools and stuff mm-hmm. you know of course like yes you're christians yes you grow up mm-hmm. in like you know um that environment where both your parents are like missionaries but we're still human right mm-hmm. and as human beings like sometimes you can uh, kind of like you know almost like waver a bit or like have those like again like those peer pressures from like people around you so how do you think you handled that in um, school yeah i think my goal was always to just I wasn't there to impress anybody I was I didn't ever want to be a part of like the popular crowd right. but because I did grow up in a different country I was always the different kid in school I was the new kid right because mm-hmm. um but I think that wasn't ever a bad thing um and just knowing what like my mom would probably just from a young age to like know what we believe what our faith is having those convictions right. um and then also just having knowing like we can be open with our parents like if we were struggling um like they were always there to support us so mm-hmm. no matter what and because we're in a foreign country if we did mess up they wouldn't leave us they'd like be there for us you can't, so run, away. You can't run away <laughs> so um yeah just knowing they support us and love us and that um God's grace is always there, right? If you do mm. mess up, it's forgiveness and yeah. And seeing mm-hmm. firsthand people come into church and getting saved and seeing what people come from and mm. the turmoil that certain things in the world can cause, like whether you're talking about drugs or alcohol or relationships again, you could be talking about anything. Yeah. Just seeing that mm-hmm. play out in front of your eyes at time after time and being missionary kids a lot of that would happen in our own home even like people would come for counseling you're hearing things that you probably shouldn't be hearing you're like oh my gosh i'm never touching drugs like you know like you know (laughs) i'm never touching this or that yeah and just seeing the effect it has on people and their families Mm -hmm. not even just them um that is a that was a huge thing by the blood of jesus i've never touched alcohol or drugs and Mm -hmm. i've never wanted to that's never been something just because i've seen what it does to people yeah Yeah. just first time it's never our parents have never sheltered us from any of obviously they've sheltered us from like inappropriate stuff but they've (laughs) never sheltered us from like the reality of life right um like my mom told you she would go into prison she would go into this she would go into that to um to share the gospel and they've never once been like you know what maybe like this isn't something you should see they're like no this is life this is what happens like they've never they've never tried to scare us with it it Mm -hmm. was just as a matter of life like you see it and you're like well that's not something i'm gonna do and again going back to um the devil knows like you can build up very like boundaries and all of these things um but they need to be well-rounded you can build up boundaries in one area and you know knock down in another area right so being mindful of that having someone who can speak into your life and help you identify all of that stuff and at the end of the day i think one of the biggest things for me too was knowing that when i die i stand there alone right i'm not there with my sister as much as i love her i'm not <laughs> there with my brother my parents yeah. i'm not there with anyone it's literally just me and god and I'm going to have to explain myself. Mm. That's what Romans says, that you're going to, we're going to each give account yeah. of ourselves before God. And it doesn't give any room for anyone else yeah. to give their commentary, you know? <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, um, that means I don't really have to care what people think. I don't really mm-hmm. have to think, oh, am I cool or this or mm-hmm. that? Obviously, it's good to have godly people give their insight. Right. Um, but so far as it's relating to your spiritual walk, like what you wear, how you talk, all of these things, as they should be 
used to glorify God. Yes. Not to make anyone feel a certain way about mm-hmm. you or suck up to someone or fit in or this or that, but it's literally just a means of glorifying God in this present earth because this isn't our final destination, right? Mm-hmm. Our final destination is eternity with Christ. And in high school, that was... High school, I was... You know, I was a shy kid in general, but I didn't associate with the popular crowds. I didn't associate, like, people knew, even though there were, um, not all of my friends were per se Christian, but they all knew my convictions. None of them would swear around me. Mm. Um, I remember one person, someone was swearing, like, in the hallway, and they covered my ears, and like, don't you dare <laughs> swear in front of Christina. And they're like, you know, they knew what my convictions were. They knew that I, you know, I had a personal stand that I wasn't going to date till I was 18, just as a kid, like a young mm-hmm. adult. I was like, well, it's ridiculous. Like, you see yeah. all this heartbreak and turmoil, not even just like, I've heard people be like, oh, don't have sex because you'll get pregnant. And that, like, no, not even just that. Like, the emotional um, problems you can come into, right. just all of these things that you don't need as a young person. Um, there's wisdom in with like withholding all of that until you're perfectly good and ready and there's a person in your life that god has for you um so just all of those things are just a big piece of that yeah Mm -hmm. so you both mentioned something and that was convictions Mm -hmm. so what would you say were a couple of your top convictions over the years so one conviction i already mentioned was Mm -hmm. i had um just even I think it was in elementary school probably grade seven mm-hmm. i decided i wasn't gonna date until i was 18 right um and by that i wasn't talking to boys like privately the only reason i would either text or email a guy was probably for school or church purposes like mm-hmm. that was the only reason i was pretty strict about that yeah. um that was one of my convictions um another conviction and i think it just stemmed from my family is like what you watch what you listen mm-hmm. to even when you're alone, it should be appropriate for the youngest person in your family. Like, if yeah. there's a reason that you're hiding it, like, that's not good. Like, it can, it doesn't have to be, inc- mm-hmm. like, incredibly inappropriate for you to not want to show your younger sibling or your younger, like, niece or nephew. Or, I don't have nieces or nephews. I don't know why I said that. But, you know, just having yeah. that integrity that what you do in the private, and it doesn't even just stick with entertainment. Mm-hmm. It sticks with everything, your thoughts, mm-hmm. your actions in the private, just the integrity of, would would this hold up if everyone else was watching me right now? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I'm at school, the way I'm talking to people, the way I'm interacting, would that hold up if my parents were watching me right now or would they be ashamed of what I'm doing mm-hmm. or what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes into, like, even now, even being an adult, the way you talk to people, like, it's so easy to, like, fall into gossip or fall into this or fall into... Um, fall into just the idea of just you know being upset about these different things right but at the end of the day like even if you weren't in a private conversation with someone or even just thinking it alone would it hold up in the light Mm -hmm. and also like major convictions like people think like no drinking no smoking Mm -hmm. um no sex or anything like that but obviously because we're younger i was never tempted for any of that um i would say like one big thing is like social media these Mm -hmm. days um like personally Obviously, I have, like, WhatsApp. I do have Instagram. Um, But, like, even sometimes I find myself, I just spend too much time on there. Just, it's, Mm. like, it's not uplifting me or anything. It's not um, helping me anyway. So, like, I take a break from it. I'm like, okay, I don't need it. It's not, like, my life. Mm. Um, It's nice to stay in contact, obviously, to see Mm -hmm. people. um, But it shouldn't be, yeah, your whole life. And just, yeah, Yeah. especially these days now. If I can add in on Mm -hmm. that, I think that's actually a big thing social media because 
it really affects how you live your life and your relationships with people and your relationship mm. with God. There's a verse yeah. in First John. I always think back to it. Um, and it talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And mm. whenever I read it, I'm always like, wow, this, like, to me personally, it's just so much of the social media. Like, mm. everything you look at, it's the best of what that person is yeah. showing, right? Right. But in your mind, it's not. It's like, oh, wow, look how perfect their life mm-hmm. is. And you start yeah. to lust after maybe the shoes they have or this uh, or the, like, the purse they have or the house or the car. Or the list goes on and on. You start to lust after their appearance, not because of, obviously, yeah. but you want to be the same. You're like, well, I should work out. I should do this. Mm-hmm. I should do that. Um, and you can start to have bitterness. You can start to have anxiety from that. And the pride of life, too, that's a big one because mm-hmm. you start to think, I need to have this persona. I need yeah. to have this identity i need to be able to show that i'm you know successful that i'm a good christian that i'm like taking pictures of my bible with my copy i'm not missing anyone who does that and i know there's some people who do that and i love you dearly and i don't think that about you but uh, just why are you doing it and does it reflect your personal life so for me personally i know my personality I don't do well with like having social media. I start getting bothered and everything. So I just don't have it. Larissa has Instagram. She's perfectly capable of having it without being bothered by anything. And she's just living her happy little life. For me, I'm like, you know what? Why bring myself trouble that I don't need? Why get concerned about these Mm -hmm. things? Right. It's like, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to die without our phones, so. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And you know what? It all comes down to, as you both mentioned, the identity thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, just finding your identity in, like, the yeah. wrong places. Yeah, and social media in general, I feel like it's just very time-consuming, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like you could be doing so much more with your time, yeah. so much more in the kingdom of God. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're spending it on a false life, yeah. you yeah. know, and a false perspective that mm-hmm. it's just completely unnecessary. Yeah. Anywho, both of you ladies are amazing. So as we bring this to a close, I want to ask, what is your piece of advice that you would give someone out there who maybe they're a church kid or even children of missionaries, um, pastor's kids, whatever the case may be, what is your piece of advice to them? Personally, for me, I would just say to stay involved in church. Mm-hmm. Um, not to the point that you're going to be burnt out or anything, but just to stay involved. Find what you enjoy doing. Um, there's so many things you could do, like whether it's kids, it doesn't even have to be on stage, like singing, um, could be stuff in the background, mm-hmm. just anything that you enjoy and do that. Try to develop that talent you have so you can use it um, in God's kingdom, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that one, mm-hmm. just staying involved. Yeah. I would say, Mm -hmm. first of all, know who you are in Christ and make sure you have the Bible verses to back it up because Mm. you can have battles, mind battles that no one will know about, and you need to have verses that you can pull up and say, well, this is what God says about me. This is what he says I'm chosen. He says I'm redeemed. Mm -hmm. He says this and that. You can be able to flip to it and say, this is who I am because there are a lot of mind battles, especially if you're a pastor's kid, missionary kid, if you're a church kid, if you're a new convert, you're anyone will have those kind of battles. So Mm -hmm. knowing exactly who you are in Christ with no room for doubt on that part um, is a big thing. Um, I would also say have people in church, like I've stressed Mm -hmm. this so many times, have someone, my mom always says, have someone above you, next to you, and below you. Have someone Mm -hmm. above you who you can reach out to for help, who can help pull you up, rise by lifting, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Have someone next to you who can be your friend, who can, you know, be there to grow with you. Mm. and have someone below you that you can pour out to like always have at least those three people in your life 
Mm. Um, for me, like my mom is one of those people who I look up to who's above me, who I can trust to be able to say, listen, Christina, yeah, I love you, but you know, yeah. Larissa is one of those people. Honestly, sometimes <laughs> she's above me, sometimes she's next to me. Depends, <laughs> depends on the season. Sometimes below, you know, yeah, you pull me yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Fluctuate. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and then there are people in church who are, you know, new converts who are mm-hmm. below, who you just are able to pour into. And it, it's it's kind of beautiful the way God has it because yeah. you're being poured into from God. Like when she said, be involved in ministry, right. make sure your personal relationship with God is intact because you can pour into so many different ministries mm-hmm. and not be receiving anything. Mm-hmm. And if God's not pouring into you and you're pouring into it, you're just pouring from yourself and you mm-hmm. can be drained so quickly yeah. and experience that burnout she mentioned. So having those people pour into you, like you can, that's how you can pour into those new people who come in. So just having those three people, it doesn't have to be three people. It's just, it's just an idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that works. That absolutely mm-hmm. works. So Thank you so much, both of you, for coming on here. Amazing stuff. (laughs) Um, And until next time, stay encouraged. (laughs)